this, this, this message, um, is, I think it's extremely important to share it now because up until this point, we've learned that the ground that we're planted is important, right? We've learned that it's important to be rooted in really great ground, really great people. We've also learned that we, whatever God is doing with you, you can't do it alone. Everybody needs community. And God doesn't look at one person and say, you know what, you're not deserving of a person. You're not deserving of a relationship or a friendship that could change your life. Then last week, we talked about, uh, it was, feels like forever ago, but last week was Mother's Day. Uh, and we talked about Ruth and Naomi, and we talked about the importance of Ruth's obedience to Naomi. And we also talked about how when everything went wrong with Naomi, she went back to the people that, that, that she came from, right? So many times in situations, is the minute that hard times come or the minute that, that there's frustrating times or people hurt us, we go into like this place of isolation and we run away from people rather than running to them and fixing the issue, right? And, but Naomi, and what we learned last week is because she decided to obey God's word and go back to community, God ended up infiltrating her and bringing the son of God through her bloodline, right? So we learned last week that it's extremely important that you're in the right relationships because when you're in the right relationships, God can bless you and bless everybody else. But this week, what we're going to talk about, there are eight different seasons that every single relationship is going to go through. It's going to be a little bit difficult because I feel so uncomfortable this morning, but I think my uncomfortability is because it has to be said. It's not an uncomfortability because, like, I'm scared or I'm nervous, but I think this is the message that I've been, like, chewing on for the last couple of weeks. Remember the one I told you in the beginning of the series? I'm like, man, the third week's going to be crazy. I thought it was going to be crazy exciting, but this one's crazy heavy. Can you say heavy? Because a lot of us are in our relationships and the reason why they're failing is because we don't know what season we're in. So we're expecting our summer friends to be in our winter. And we're wearing out our fall friends because it's spring. Right? I bought this hoodie and I was going to wear it last Sunday, but last Sunday it was like 90 some degrees. But because the seasons have changed and because the weather has changed, now I can wear this hoodie and I'm not going to burn up and I'm not going to mistreat this. But in a lot of our relationships, we're wearing people out because we're wearing them in the wrong season. Cool? Okay, let's go to the Word because I know that some of you are like, uh, it doesn't mean anything if I don't see a scripture verse. So here it is. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8. It says, for everything there is a, come on, for everything there is a, and a time for every purpose under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, plant pluck up, uh, that has been planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down. Like, I want to let you know that changes in the seasons are inevitable. Like, you cannot change summer. Summer's coming regardless of if you want it to or not. We live in Omaha. Snow is coming, sweetheart. I know we get comfortable, and I know it's really nice out right now, but I just want to let you know that winter is coming. Hail is going to come. The problem in our relationships is that we never anticipate when winter is going to come. We, we, we think that the, the last season that we went through of heartbreak and frustration, we think that since we went through it one time that it's never going to happen again. And I, I just want to make sure that we understand that in every single one of our relationships, the seasons that we're going to go through, they're going to come back around. It's winter, summer, spring, and fall. It doesn't go winter, summer, 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 summer. No, it goes winter, summer, spring, and fall. So in all of our relationships, we have to understand that just as we're growing in Christ, so are the people that we're connected to. And it's not fair for us to look at other people and be frustrated when they change. But when we change, we want everybody to be okay with it. Am I talking to somebody this morning? Maybe like three or four people. 
which is okay. So I want you to say this with me. Changes of the seasons is inevitable. So I, I, just, I want to share with you a couple of seasons that almost every single person's going through. Now, I know I'm missing a couple, but these are like the seven that like, were the most prevalent to me. Number one, there's a season of rejoicing and celebration. There's a time when you meet somebody where they get the job or they have a baby or they get married and it's like a huge deal. It's like, oh my God, this is absolutely amazing. There's also a season of forgiveness in every relationship. If we choose to forgive, that's up to us. But you know what I'm like, have you ever tried to go through the season of forgiveness when it passes? Like you should have, you should have said sorry and apologized in the season. Now it's passed and now it's awkward. Then there's a season of judgment. We live in a world right now where people don't want to be judged. Like, don't judge me. You don't know my life. And it's just like, no, no, no. In the sense of community and relationship, you need somebody in your life that can keep you in check. We don't run away from judgment, right? We, we run away from condemnation because condemnation is basically me trying to make you feel bad about what you've done. But every person needs somebody in their life that can point out something in their life and say, that's not right. Everybody needs that. And if you don't, we become broken because then we look at our sin and we say it's not that bad. Number four, everybody needs a season of insight where you can literally be poured into. If you ever meet somebody and they always think that they have to be pouring into other people, it's impossible to pour into a pot if you're empty. Everybody needs a relationship season in their life where somebody can come in and just begin to pour into them to remind them of who they are. You ever been there before where you could like lose track of who you are and what God told you, and then somebody that you don't even know can just walk by and be like, you know what, you're, like, you're, you're a beautiful, amazing person. And just by them saying that, it reminds you of why you did it. Okay, it's going to get good in a minute. Number five, every relationship. Say every relationship. Every relationship goes through a season of pain, frustration, and suffering. If you enter into relationships, if you enter into community thinking that you will never be hurt, you've already failed. Our problem is that we, we, like, that would be like living in Nebraska and not having a winter coat. And then when winter comes, like, trying to fight snowflakes. Like, on the set, because I'm going to beat up winter. No, 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 no. You needed to prepare for what was inevitable. You are going to be hurt in relationships. And if the person that you're joining in relationship is an amazing person, right, we love people that are better than us, you're always going to be hurt because there's always going to be a point of miscommunication in that relationship. Always. Remember what we learned before, when, when Adam and Eve, once sin came in between them, they saw each other for the first time and that their lens was dirty. So we have to understand as human beings, it's impossible for me to see you correctly. And sometimes I'm not going to see you correctly. So there's going to be a time where we don't understand what's going on. Am I talking to anybody this morning? Okay, can you give me my slide, please? Then we have the fifth, I mean, I'm sorry, the sixth. Every single relationship goes through a, a season of estrangement, where we don't even know how to communicate with one another. Like, I don't, I don't know what it is, but like everything you say makes me upset. You ever been there before? But you know that you love the person, but it's like everything you say, like I'm only looking for the bad in what you're saying. Can I talk to somebody this morning? It's like I don't even have the ability to like exhibit my love to you, and like everything you say hurts me, and I don't even know why, but instead of talking about it, we're going to estrange ourselves and not speak about it. The eighth is that there's always a season of departing. I, I just want to make sure that you understand that in all of our relationships, not all of your relationships are going to be with you always. Even Jesus said to the disciples, he says, I have to go so that you can have power. There are some people in your lives that you're called to and to assign to, and if we don't release them when their assignment is done with us, that means that there's another person whose life was supposed to be a... 
Somebody else's life is supposed to be changed, but we become greedy because we need this person. You can't hold on to summer because there's some, there's some things that have to happen in the earth when it gets cold. Like the winter is important. We hate it because it's cold, but like there's this thing called global warming. And I, it's so funny. Like I don't argue with people that are ignorant. No, there's, there's no such thing. Like really, like the earth is warming up. In your life, it's warming up. And sometimes you need a season of isolation just to cool down by yourself. And sometimes in your relationships, the other person's in summer. They're celebrating and you're in winter. But then you can bring somebody out of their season of rejoicing into your season of pain. So look at your neighbor and say, the seasons of relationships are important. So I want to talk about five different things. There are five different reasons why we, just, why, why, why we become hurt. And we, we don't talk about it. And we just think that hurt is just going to, like, if I eat another pint of ice cream, if I watch another chick flick, the one that you already watched, which exemplifies a relationship that's not even real. The more we do that, you know what, the pain that I'm feeling is going to go away rather than speaking with the person. So there are five different ways. And I know they're misspelled. It's okay, but just deal with it, all right? I got a master's degree. I'm a master of dyslexia. Let's get it. <laughs> Number one, people are hurt because of misunderstandings. There was something that was said, and I, I missed what you said, but instead of clarifying what you said, I'm going to run with what I heard. Number two, there's miscommunication, where when you say something, I choose, I make the conscious decision not to hear what's coming out of your heart, but to hear how it comes out of your mouth. In our family, we have this saying, listen to what I'm saying, not what I'm saying. Can you do that? Say, listen to what I'm saying, not what I'm saying. Because sometimes this doesn't have a filter for what this is feeling. Am I talking to somebody this morning? I might be talking to two people. Who are they? Just raise your hand. One, I know who you are. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay, so this section, y'all cool. I'm going to talk to this, like, I'm, I, because... I really want us to win in our relationships. It's so important. Falling asleep right now is probably something that you can't afford to do because of the fact that some of us really suck in our relationships. I know I do. There are some relationships that I know are destroyed because of me. Number three, mistaken motives. Sometimes somebody can apologize, but because they didn't say it in the way that we liked it, we don't, we, we don't want to take it. Well, you were supposed to say, I'm sorry, but you said, I'm sorry. Like, the, you were supposed to, like, your voice was supposed to do this inflection, and it didn't happen. And so I'm like, I, 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 won't, I won't receive it. Or I'm not done being mad with you, so come back later when I'm done. <laughs> Number four, there's the mismanagement of distance. Some people, when they're frustrated, you, have, you do have to give them their space. My sister... When Callie gets upset, she needs 50 feet. But because I know the season of relationship that we're in, I never give her that space. Because I know that if I give her that space to be upset, she's going to start thinking things that aren't true. So I have to be there to help regulate her season so that we understand when we come out of the season, that season's dead, we're going into a new one. How many relationships have you destroyed, have I destroyed, have been destroyed because we were giving people too much space and then they felt abandoned, but we thought that we were giving them space to figure it out. And then later on, the, the person says, I just needed a hug. And in your mind, you're like, wait a minute, I thought you just needed space. 
We got to realize how to judge how much space somebody really needs. Number five, miss, what's that word? Expectations. This should be number one. I have this pre, wow, you just read my mind. I have this premeditated thought of how you're supposed to treat me. And if you don't treat me up to that level, no matter what you do, I won't see it as love. For some of our relationships, somebody texting you good morning, that's like the length of their love. And because they didn't send you a book, you're like, oh, they don't love me. No, 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 no. You need to change your expectations of what you're expecting from people. Because we all fall short too. There are some things that you expect from me that I have no idea about, but you'll cut me off without telling me. And then I try to figure out like what's going on. Like what happened? I thought that we were close. It's not that we're not close anymore. It's just that you never let me know what you were expecting of me. I can't expect something of you if I never tell you what it is. It's impossible. My parents can't expect for me to live right and not teach me how to do it. Just as you cannot expect your relationships to treat you correctly if you never tell them how you need to be loved. So here we go. We're missing the mark. Remember? Misunderstanding, miscommunication, mistaken motives, mismanaging distance, misexceptions. We're, miss, we're missing it because we're trying to figure it out. We're trying to make it work in our relationships. And I'm starting to see that the more that we try to fix things, the more we end up messing them up. The more that I think that I can fix our relationship, it's all, the word of God even says that it's selfish for me to think I can fix this. Because you were created by God and God's the only one that can fix your heart. We can't fix people's heart, people. You cannot make somebody think something about you that they don't already feel. So our job is to know what relationships we're jumping into before we say, I do, to be in the relationship. Because some people look really good on the outside, and then once you experience, you realize that their winter's a lot colder, their winter's a lot longer than yours. And the clothes that God gave them for their winter, it fits them, but it doesn't fit you. Like, I'm trying to give you the end before we get there. Because some of y'all have your arms folded like y'all frustrated. No, we're talking about that relationship. That one. The one that you're thinking about. Right? Oh, that's what it is, Damon. That's what it is. That relationship that has you looking at me like, what the heck is going on? That one. That's the one that God wants to fix. The relationship where like, have you ever been in a place like on a Monday or a Tuesday morning and like, I don't know why Monday and Tuesday, but like you start thinking about a certain person in your head and like you just all of a sudden forget about why you were frustrated about them and you just begin to love on that person in your mind, but then you remember what they did and you're like, oh no, I, I, I got to... I got to get that out of my mind. I think that God wants us to not miss the mark, but to use him as the mark in our relationships. If you understand the purpose of a person, you'll see their heart. You won't see them. Your lens is supposed to see the person's heart towards you. It's not supposed to see them. Because if, if you look at me, you're always going to see something wrong because I'm not perfect. But if you look at my heart... If, if, if you look at, this is the reason why we're together. This is the reason why I'm dating you. This is the reason why I'm married to you. This is the reason why we're engaged, why we're in relationship. This is the reason why we're in a business relationship. If you understand my heart, no matter what goes on on the outside, you'll really know my motive. Here we go. Each season calls for different people. So I want to tell you a story, and I... I I just ask, can, can we do something? Can we allow the word of God just to be the standard today? Is that cool? Like, bump what you think. Bump what I think. I'm not as smart as you think I am. I just spend my time in the presence of God. Nine times out of ten, what comes out of my mouth, I didn't come up with. The Holy Spirit just says, say this. And I'm like, all right, bet. And it comes out, right? 
But, but can we just use the word of God as the standard? I don't believe y'all. Put your right hand up. Say, I solemnly, your right hand. She said, uh, right hand. Say, I solemnly swear. <laughs> to allow the word of God to be the standard for today's teaching. All right, I approve this message. So, in Jesus' life, when we look from the time that he is birthed to the time that he dies, he goes through eight seasons. He goes through eight seasons that, I'm, I'm sure that there's more, but these are the eight that God gave me, right? The first is his season of submission. So in Luke 2, 46 through 48, we understand that Jesus is around the age of 10 to 12 years old, right? He's already been born. Uh, people are loving on him. He has gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and all this other stuff. And by the time that he becomes 12, he's like, you know what? I've been here for 12 years, and I still ain't done nothing yet, so I need to get some stuff done. This is the reason why at the age of 13, we call that, in, like, in, I'm sorry, in, in the Torah, the age of 13 is when you step into manhood. So Jesus starts getting this itch of manhood at 12. It's right before he's about to turn 13, right? So he and his family, Mary, Joseph, and, and Jesus, they, they, they end up going to uh, the, the, the temples and the synagogues because they're going to um, worship and, and to celebrate the Passover. Happens every year. It's a big celebration. And Jesus says, this year, you know what, I'm going to do what I need to do. I've been waiting 12 years to do this. I'm ready to go. But listen to this. After three days, they found him in the temple courts. They were looking for Jesus for three days. This is the son of God. He's 12 years old, but he's all God, all man. Say all God, all man. So there's really not much you can tell him. Besides the fact that he looks little, he's bigger than what he seems. For three days, they look for him, and he's, he's in the temple courts, and everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding of his answers. Like, people are like, wow, he's so smart. And he's like, no, I was there when it was written. Like, <laughs> When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, what she say? She said, son, why have you treated us like this? Moms, y'all are the best for it. Y'all make everything like we like destroyed your heart. I remember one day I woke up late for school. My mom was like, I couldn't believe you would do this to me. I'm like, I don't want to go to school. How are you? Like, I can't believe you would do this to me. <laughs> so his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And listen what Jesus says. Why were you searching for me? <laughs> he said, don't you? I'm the son of God, woman. I mean, he probably didn't say woman. Jesus wasn't crazy. But, you know, he said, I- I'm-, I'm the son of God. Like, why are you looking for me? And then she, and she says, he says, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? And the New King James says, don't you know that I was supposed to be about my father's business? But I, I-, I, want-, I want to show you something. The next time that we see Jesus, he's 30 years old. Jesus understood something. I'm all God and I'm all man. The God part of me is absolutely perfect, but the, but the man part of me has to submit to authority. In every one of your relationships, you have to go through the first season of submission. Write it down. Y'all looking at me. You need to write this one down. In every relationship, you need to have at least one person that you're connected to that you're submitted to. Even Jesus understood it. At the age of 12, he waits 18 more years. He learns how to become a carpenter. He learns how to fish. He learns how to honor his mother and his father. And then in the end, at 30, then he begins to preach the good news of the, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. A lot of us want to be in relationships, and we want the Instagram picture, but we don't want to go through the submissive part of it. So another point. Jesus had to submit even in God form. He tried to grow up just a little bit too quick. 
But you learn how to build the foundation that God can build on in the future as you're submitting. Because when the lights come on, it doesn't just light you up. It lights up your problems and your insecurities too. So the people that you need in this season are people that you can trust to touch your life. Jesus wouldn't have been able to do what he did had he not submitted to his mother's voice, even though he believed that he was ready. Some of us believe that we're ready and we deploy ourselves and we get beat up and we get upset. But if we were submitted to somebody that knew us better than we knew ourselves, they would tell us when to go. Look at Ruth and Naomi. What if Ruth would have made the decision not to follow Naomi? No, she decided to submit to something that she saw in a woman that she wanted to be like, even though she didn't know what was going on. People who see what you can't, but also have the resources to get you to where you're going. Those are the types of folks. Okay, next point. Season of exposure. After Jesus is there at the age of 12, he goes through 18 years of being submitted to his mother, and then he's exposed to this season of exposure. We understand that in Mark 8 through 3, when Jesus starts doing these miracles, he literally had like hundreds to thousands of people that were following him. I want to let you know that when your season of exposure and your relationships comes, you don't make your friends out of your season of exposure. Because those are the people that are interested in what you do, not who you are. Mark 8 through 3, at about this same time, he again found himself with a hungry crowd on his hands. He called his disciples together and said, this crowd is breaking my heart. They have stuck with me for three days, and now they have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they'll faint along the way. Some of them have come along the distance. What Jesus understood was that, you know what? I went through what I needed to in my season of submission. Now I'm being exposed, but the people that I'm being exposed to, they weren't with me when I was submitting. So all they see is the gift. They didn't see how hard I worked for the 18 years to be here. So I can't make friends out of people that love my gift. We start making friends with people that love what we do, but they don't even know who our person is. You love what I do up here, but you've never seen me at 2 o'clock in the morning when I'm struggling with my personal sin. So when you see my personal sin, you'll discredit what I do up here because you don't even know who I am. There are some people that threw you away because they love what you do, but when you were really going through, they didn't even know how to handle you. They thought that you were dirty. Oh, my God, Joshua, you've been dealing with pornography since the age of 11? Yeah. Well, I can't be with you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Time out. But I thought you said that I was anointed for the platform. I thought you said that I had a word for people. Well, Neil, you're a little bit too dirty. Oh, I get it, because you never had to talk me off the ledge of opening up my laptop. That's why you don't know who I am. Can we talk? Can, like, can we really talk? I, I, I'm, I'm over the whole religious go to church on Sunday because it's cool. Like, can we talk? You'll discredit me for the same sin that you're going to do after you leave this place. It's only because you have no understanding of who I am and what God's doing in me. So if you understand when you're being exposed to something, people are going to fall in love with what you do, but they don't know who you are. Jesus says to his disciples, he says, this crowd of people, they're getting hungry. In your season of exposure, the only people that want to be friends with you are the ones that that you're feeding. And they're only going to be there as long as their plate doesn't become empty. Now, get this right. I'm not ragging on those folks. I, I, I can't be upset with people that see me and are like, magically attracted because that's what I'm asking for. I'm asking for God to, to send me people. But my problem is, is when I fall in love with the people in the wrong season. 
So Jesus would find himself being followed by multitudes, hundreds of people, but he always made sure that I know that in this relationship, in this season, the only way that we're saying friends is as long as I'm producing. So the masses were 500 people. They were only interested in what? Convenience. As long as you're feeding me, I'm with you. As long as you're up on this rise and everybody's looking at you, I just want to be friends so that I don't miss out. They're interest-driven. And it's not their interest in you. It's in the interest of how good you're doing. So the type of people that you need in this moment in your season of exposure are people that put a draw on your gift and not a draw on your talents. I can talk all day. I have the gift of gab. But my gift, my gift, what I do well is make people feel comfortable. So in my season of exposure, when I'm with all these people, I need some people in the back room that can humble me and sit me down. Remember we talked about it. How many people in your life have to sit down and shut up card? You need at least one. At least one. And it can't be your mom because your mom is your mom. You need somebody that can look you in your face, stand toe-to-toe with you, and tell you that your breath stank. You need people in this season that make you practice what you do. They make you practice what you do. The one thing that I love about being in relationship with my father is that he's never satisfied with the work that I do, ever. He might say, you did a good job, but he always tells me that there's something better. In your season of exposure, you need some people that are not impressed with what you do. Because the more I'm impressed with what you do, I'll never see the flaws and help you become better. Oh, my goodness. Some other people that you need in this season are those that will help you stretch your capacity. When you're in the gym, you think you can only do 12 reps, but there's somebody in that gym that can care less about you, and they say, you can do 15. You need some people that when you begin to get tired because the exposure, being up here with the lights, it gets really hot. You need some people behind you that when you don't feel like being up here like today, somebody can push you and say, no, the people need the word of God. I don't care how you feel. I'm going to be back here. If you don't got the faith, I got the faith for you. If you ain't got the strength, I got Because when you get into that season, when it comes, you need some people behind you that know you better than you. Then Jesus went through a season of companionship. After he went through submission, he went through a season of being exposed. He was buried and worked on himself. Then he uprooted everybody's, I'm sorry, then he grew out of the ground. People saw him, saw that everything was beautiful. They wanted to be a part of him. Then he got to a point where there was a season of companionship. What we have to understand is out of the 500,000s of people that started to follow Jesus, Jesus picked 72 We think that there's only 12 disciples, but there's actually 72. Out of the hundreds, he picks these 72 people, and that's where we get the Great Commission. Do you know what that is? Go into all the world, uh, heal the sick, uh, take care of of, of the widows, make sure that people are fed, teach them the kingdom of God. If somebody doesn't want to hear the kingdom of God, don't even get worried about it. We learned about this on Wednesday. uh, Stomp the dust off your feet and move to the next place. But out of the 500, he finds 72 people that he can actually have companionship with. He still hasn't found friends yet. He replied, you've been given insight into God's kingdom. You know how it works. The 72 disciples start to ask Jesus and Mark, they they start to ask him, like, "Why why are you so hard on us? Why is it every time that you talk to the multitudes of people, you talk to them in parables? But when you talk to us, like, you're really, like, getting to it. The reason why Jesus had to talk to them in real talk is because of the fact that this is the group that you build something with. Your companions are people that we're not necessarily friends, but we're going after the same thing. And it's probably best that we're not friends, because if we're friends, then we'll argue along the way. But if our goal is to get to something, I don't need to be your friend. We just need to keep our eyes on the prize. 
Because the more often I keep my eyes on you, we're going to miss the mark. So not everybody has this gift, this insight. It hasn't been given to them, Jesus says. Whenever someone has a ready heart for this, the insights and understandings flow freely. Jesus understood something. He said, if, I want to, if you want to be close to me, I can be spitting fire all day. But Jesus says that it's only once you make the decision to listen that what I'm saying makes sense. Some of us in our relationships, we're trying to pour everything that we are into a thimble. And then we get frustrated when they don't act how we think that they should. You're the ocean, and you're trying to fill, your, you're trying to fill up a bottle with all of your capacity. It's the, this is the problem. A bottle, you cannot fill up the, the, a bottle with the ocean. It's not possible. And you can't get frustrated when the bottle reaches its capacity. Every person in your life has a capacity. Everybody can't take the full extension of who you are. So don't be frustrated when they get frustrated with you. There are people that want to be friends with me, and I talk about money about three, four, five times a day. And they think that I'm conceited. That's fine. You're not right now. And I'm not going to force you to see things from my point of view, because at some point in time, I'm going to be looking, and somebody's going to be looking me dead in the face because we're on the same level. That's why I tell them stories, Jesus says, to create readiness, to nudge the people forward, receptive insight. In their present state, they can't even stare. uh, They can't stare till doomsday and not see it. Jesus says that I could be telling these people everything. I could give them like literally like the matrix code of how the kingdom of God works, but they're still not going to get it. This is where we get into that season of frustration because we're trying to give people everything that we have for them, but they don't have the capacity to receive it. Everybody can't be on the same level. It's, it, like, you can't be friends with everybody. You can be acquainted, and we can have community where we have familiarity between one another, but you can't be friends with everybody because sometimes our seasons don't sync. So in this, this is the multitude. This is where Jesus talks to the 72 disciples, and we understand that these are the people that you build with. This is the way that Jesus touched the world was with the 72. If you meet somebody in this season, they, it's, it's almost impossible for you to get what you need to get done because they're going to always need for you to validate who they are. How effective would the kingdom message have spread around the world if every two days the 72 disciples had to always come back to Jesus to check on how, these do, how they're doing? Jesus said, go into all the world. He didn't say, go and come back and make sure you're doing everything right. He said, if you're in relationship with me, you should already know what I'm looking for. A lot of us are wasting time in relationships trying to validate people because they need us to think more highly of them because they're not completing themselves. The 72 were interested in what Jesus was interested in. They were interested in taking the kingdom to the next level. In your season of companionship, you need some people that are in your life that are more excited about what you're doing than they are about you. Because if I'm excited about who you are, once again, I'm not going to see the flaws in your character. But if I'm excited about where we're going, your character has to change. Because if it doesn't change, that means I'm not going to reach what God told us, which is purpose. All right. Next point. Then you have your season of fellowship. Is this good? After you have your season of companionship, this is the group. It's all whittling down. It's whittling down. After the season of fellowship, I'm sorry, the the season of companionship, Jesus went through a season of fellowship. What we understand is that there was a season where you share with people your most intimate details of who you are. In this season, we understand that there were some people that Jesus was executing with. There were 12 of them, remember? We understand that that there were 72 disciples in in the part before, right? But out of that 72, Jesus willed it down to 12 guys. And these 12 guys were the ones that he shared his intimacy with. Can you say intimacy? 
Stop sharing your secrets with everybody. There's a difference in sharing your testimony and telling your secrets. Let's break that down. Your testimony helps set people free that see what you went through and can find breakthrough in it. Telling your secrets makes people feel sorry for you. I don't want anybody in my life that feels sorry for me because if they feel sorry for me, they'll never push me to be great. They'll always protect me from exposure. So Jesus understood, if you 12 are going to be with me, there are some things that I'm going to tell you that are going to rock your world. But before I bring you into my 12, I have to check you in the 72. There are some people, you need to check them in public spaces before you bring them into your private spaces. There are some people, I watch how you, like, people think, you don't want to be friends with me. It's not that I don't want to be friends with you. I've been watching you for the past couple of years, and I saw some things. I peeped game on some things, and I don't want that to happen in my private space. Because once I bring you into my private space, now I'm responsible for our relationship. So I'm going to keep you in the 72. Where are my six people? Where are you at? One, two, three, four, five. Okay, cool. Gotcha. All right, we're here. Disciples understood that once we become into this 12, there are some things that we give up. Once you get into a relationship at this level, you give up your right to be frustrated with, frustrated with that person and not talk to them. Once you decide to become friends with me, like, like, real, like uh, real, real, real intimacy, once you decide, like, hey, I'm doing this, we're doing this, you now have given up the right to be frustrated with me and not tell me when you're frustrated. The Word of God even says that if there's a problem between you and your brother, that you can't even give an offering if your heart isn't right. And he says, don't pray about it. He says, put your offering down, go to your brother, and fix the issue. So if you enter in relationship at this level, you cannot be upset and not talk to them. How many relationships do we have? How many relationships have I destroyed because I was frustrated and I never told them about it? Ignorance is what kills us. We always, like kids will say this all the time, well, if my parents don't know, they won't know. No, 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 no. Because now they're exalting the false person of who you are based off of what you've done and they don't know about it. Jesus looked at the disciples and he said, now that we're in relationship, there are some things that you give up. You want to know another thing that you give up when you join into a relationship? You want to know what it is? You give up your right to talk about that person outside of the private spaces that they created for you. Jesus later on tells the disciples, if you have a problem with me, come to me. Don't even talk amongst the 12 of you. Because if you have a problem with me, come and talk to me. Because the other 11 people, Peter, when I tell you that you're going to deny me, what would have happened if Peter would have went to the other 11 and said, like, hey, Jesus said this, that, and the other. He said, I'm going to deny him. No, that would have been incorrect because his problem was with Jesus, not with the 11. In relationships, our job is to take our issue to the person and not to the people that are around us. Before, the 72 were interested in what Jesus was interested in, remember? They were interested in spreading the kingdom, but the 12 were interested in Jesus himself. Everybody needs a relationship. Everybody needs somebody in their life that just likes you. You ever been in a relationship with somebody that just likes you? Like, for real, like, like somebody that, like, I just think that your farts smell like Fruit Loops. Somebody looked at me like, oh, like, you ain't, you ain't never had love? Then I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm, I'm <laughs> Everybody needs a relationship where the person sees that you can't do any wrong. And when you do do wrong, that they say, that's not a big deal. We can take care of that. But sometimes we fall in love with people that will throw us away at the first impurity that they see in our lives. 
Okay. We'll go to the next point. So this season is where you share with people your intimate details of your life and who you are. You share with them your why. You also build one another up based on what you see. In this season, Jesus began to father these 12. The 72, he mentored them. He, he, he helped them develop themselves. He helped them develop their businesses, and he sent them out and gave them work to do. He mentored those guys. But the 12, he began to father. This is why it's so important to understand what you say when you call somebody your spiritual parent. Because we're living in a season where people want to claim parents that never had them. <clears throat> Over this weekend, people would run up and be like, hey, pops, hey, pops, hey, pops, hey, pops, hey, pops, hey, Pastor Martin, hey, Pastor Martin, Papa, Papa Martin. And, and, and in my head, I'm like, you haven't even been qualified. Because you don't want this man as your father. You think, you think, you think you do. Because you see the Instagram, but you've never had to submit to this man. You've never went through fellowship with this man. You've never had this man whoop you in front of people and then validate you in front of them at the same time. You've never had this man say something to you and embarrass you. You've never had relationship with this guy where you were wrong and you had to apologize in front of people, but you want to call him your father. There are a lot of people that want to call you your friend, but they have not made it a point to prove it to you yet. Jesus said, if I'm going to do life, if I'm going to bring you into this secret place, I got to have some people that when they see that my poop stinks, they don't run away. They cover it up and hide it from other people. Some people are in our lives only just to expose the bad parts. Did you know there are people that want to get as close to you as possible? They'll play the part just so that when you mess up, they can shine light on it. Stuff will happen on Instagram and Facebook, and this is the funniest thing. So people will, like, re people will reach out to me on Facebook and Instagram and social media and think that they're getting me. No. Social media is not communication. I'm not obligated to read your Facebook message. And it's funny because people reach out and be like, you didn't reach out to me. I do not know you. But it's funny how many people you think are your friend, but they will share your beef privately on public social media. But I thought we, 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 were, we were in relationship. I thought you knew me. No, 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 no. I was just looking for the opportune moment to get ahead of you. And if that means throwing you under the bus, I'll do whatever I need to do. Jesus understood that if I'm going to build this kingdom, I need 72 people that are going to do the work. But as I'm becoming vulnerable, I need 12 guys around me that can protect me and that I can build up. In all of your relationships, you should not be the smartest person in the room. You need to have somebody in the room that's smarter than you that can tell you, you know what, I wouldn't do that. You know that car that I told you not to buy? You need to take it back. But it's going to mess up my credit. It screwed up your credit when you bought it and I told you not to. This is good. Huh. Okay. The next part is a season of vulnerability. If you don't listen to anything else that I say, I want you to listen to this season. Because some of us are in this season right now. Jesus was all God and all what? Man. Which means that he experienced frustration, he experienced pain, and he experienced being afraid, but he, he never identified with it. In order for him to die for our sins, he had to feel what it was like to be sinful, right? Like, in order for him to die for us, he had to, like, not necessarily decrease his level, but he had to, like, understand what it was to be human. So after Jesus finds his 72, and after he finds his 12, Jesus falls in love with three guys out of the 12. You know who their names are? Peter, James, and John. These three people are the ones that get to see him in his most vulnerable state ever in this entire story of Jesus. 
Are we familiar with the story of Jesus? In Mark 26, 36 through 44, Jesus goes to a garden to pray. It even says in that chapter that Jesus becomes not necessarily, he, he experiences being fearful, but he doesn't identify with being afraid. Like Jesus doesn't know what it's like to be afraid, but he begins to feel fearful. In, 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 the, in, the, in the 40th chapter, Jesus basically says, God, like, is there any other way that they can be saved? Like, can you take this bitter cup from my mouth? Like, there's got to be another way for us to save these people. Like, I have to die. And the three guys that he takes with him, they are able to see him in his vulnerable place in secrecy. I want you to understand this. In every single one of your relationships, there's going to be a season.